Good luck, baby. Up and at him. Show him what you made a girl. Razor in hand and suspenders dangling, he stood on the landing, his face half eclipsed by foam. Dee's whole career had been heading towards this day. Having listened with patience to her account of the accumulated evidence, her husband knew just how much this trial meant to her. To consign a sane woman to the certainty of death, or else find some way to reprieve her. Jackson Saunders was heartily glad that such a burden did not rest on him. He bounded down the stairs to embrace her, creasing her jacket and mussing her hair. The best you can do, hon, is listen to your heart. The Lord will show you the way. If only. She smiled and wiped away the suds, then stretched to kiss him full on the mouth. I know that, she said, with more confidence than she felt. Now finish getting dressed, lover boy, or else they are going to whoop your ass. On the road into town, she ran the sparse facts once more through her overtaxed brain. Two children had drowned in the family car while alone with their mother one afternoon. There had been no witnesses. They had not been seen again till the sad little bodies were dredged from the river and their mother had been arrested for murder. No other person seemed implicated. Their father had not been there. He had been, as usual, at his place of work, which several of his colleagues could confirm. Cut and dried. In cases like this, it was, more often than not, a domestic affair. And the mother was offering no kind of defence. Had, by her total silence, declared herself guilty. All that was lacking was a motive. It didn't add up. The headlines worldwide were virulent. A witch hunt was underway. There were crowds besieging the courthouse building while mounted state troopers, batons at the ready, warned them to keep the peace. A lynch mob in the making, Dee sensed, as four armed guards escorted her from her car. What kind of a monster could have acted that way? It went against all the laws of instinct and nature. She certainly didn't look like a monster as she stood there, frailly in the dock. Slimly built with a boyish figure, she appeared to have shrunk since her first appearance in court. Susan Victoria Lockhart, née Palmer, 39, a UK citizen, currently domiciled in New Orleans, where the incident had taken place. No sign today of the quiet supportive husband, who had ended his visit so abruptly. Yet together, they had lost two tiny children, and the marriage was relatively new. A tragedy of such immensity should have drawn them closer together, instead of driving them apart. Name and occupation, intoned the court official, robotic as a speaking clock, perhaps out of self-defense. She went through the familiar legal procedure of checking in the prisoner who just stood there, showing no emotion, engulfed in the regulation overalls. Susan Victoria Lockhart, nay Palmer, looked nice in an understated way, or would have done before the nightmare began. Short brown hair with natural sunstreaks and skin that, despite the sultry heat, was still only slightly tanned. 
wide hazel eyes that had glinted with laughter until the cops came and took her away and a generous mouth well accustomed to smiling compressed now into a tight line no matter what the prisoner had done Dee's heart went out to her to have lost her children must be punishment enough without the additional agony of a trial but the court's business was Dee's domain on her lay the task of seeing that justice was done. A bailiff called the assembly to order, and the prosecutor took the stand. The facts presented were both stark and brief. A mother had perpetrated the most heinous crime of all, motivated, it would seem, by petty vengeance. Two helpless children, too young to fight back. Holly, too, and her baby brother, Jonah had been left to drown in the Mississippi River because of a marital spat. Medea could not have been hated more. The public gallery erupted into anger and was sharply called to order. From outside, the rumblings of the crowd could still be heard, with the occasional whine of a siren. There was nothing worse than the murder of a child, even here, in Louisiana, where such things were not unheard of. This, thought Dee grimly to herself, was the toughest case she'd encountered yet. She prayed for the strength to see it through, and ensure that true justice was done. I'm afraid that poor soul is destined to die, she confided to Jackson as they sat on the porch. She'd arrived at the church minutes before he sang, but with little appetite for the supper. The day's events had sickened her, Sometimes, she wondered why she had chosen this path. Her husband leaned over and gripped her hand. Honey, he said, you are not to fret. The Lord knows you're doing your level best to save this miserable sinner. Thankfully, soon it will be out of your hands and up to the jury to decide. To his mind, any mother who harmed her own children deserved to be strung up on the nearest tree. A God-fearing man, he abided by the rules by which his ancestors had run their lives. An eye for an eye, so the good book said. Though in this case it was a double whammy. Two bitty children, too young to understand. Not even when the waters sucked them down. At least by now they would be with the angels. But Dee was in no mood for theological debate. Jackson pulled her on to his knee and set about the process of relaxing her. Andrew Lockhart was deeply sedated, his spirit completely broken. One moment he'd been the happiest man on earth, the next he was sunk into such black despair that only the doctor's intervention had stopped him following his children into the river. Luckily, there had been another person there who'd assessed the situation and called for help, now he sat passively in his chair, blankly accepting whatever was offered, unable even to think. His life was over. Deep down, he knew that, but the sedative stopped him from totally falling apart. Of course, the Palmers had offered to come, despite their personal agony, but Andrew had known enough to put his foot down. Family they might be, but he couldn't face them now. 
had even asked his own parents to stay away. Until he could come to terms with the truth, he wouldn't see anyone at all. Except, of course, for the obliging friend who vowed to stay at his side till the trial was over. That agreed. The doctor ticked it off and swiftly and gratefully took his leave. His case book was crammed as it was. In any case, Gwen could not possibly have travelled. That was out of the question. She'd already experienced once in her life something so dreadful she had feared for her survival. But this, she had to admit, was infinitely worse. So bad she could not properly take it in, but clung to her husband instead. Tell me it hasn't happened, she begged. This cannot be going on. My darling daughter, she could never have done that. There has to be some other explanation. Guy, her husband, merely shook his head. It was finally beyond him. All he could do was hold her close and watch her endlessly crying. Yet again, he felt he had let them all down, and this time there could be no going back. The defense attorney was a mild-mannered man, not at his ease in a high-profile murder trial. He wore a formal vest and old-fashioned spats, uncomfortably overdressed for a hot spring day. From his watch chain dangled his five-better kappa key, which he absent-mindedly fidgeted with as he talked. Silver hair sloped in wings above his ears. He had the long-nosed look of an amiable hound. Despite, however, his flowery oratory...